are back to kick off season two of Raising the Stakes. We're going to take a turn into native beef production and work with some of our biggest strategic partners in the beef on dairy space. This first episode was an absolute blast to record. We're going to hear from Lais and Luis from our Latin American team on the native beef side in their region. At the end of the episode, I'm going to give a sneak peek into what else is in store for this season. This conversation we're about to get into really made me think. So take from it what you can, learn from it what you will, and apply it how you see fit. is Raising the Stakes, the ABS Beef in Focus podcast. My name is Taylor, and I'm here to find all the cutting-edge science and innovation the team at ABS is pioneering for those of us that rise and shine every day in the cattle industry. We have to find ways to feed the world and our families, and that's why the ABS Beef in Focus and New Era teams will share with us how they work each day to cultivate solutions to help us be more profitable more sustainable, and more resilient in our efforts to satisfy our goals, as well as the consumers. So stick around and we'll get into segment one of this episode right now. We just finished our global conference for ABS, and we took so much out of that. So I'm excited to look at that, too, with you guys. But to start off, anyone listening to this podcast right now can go check out ABS Brazil's team on their social media pages. I couldn't wait to hear their story, so I actually looked them up on LinkedIn. They have a lot of great content on there. The first question I want to ask, the big question, what is Superdose ABS? How does it benefit the industry? in your market? Superdose is a huge success here in Brazil. We joined three ABS solutions, start with the ABS Black, is our economic index for crossbreeding, help the beef producers to choose the best genetics to crossbreeding. As Laís perfect explained, it's really a unique proprietary and really validated genetic solution package specifically superdose also benefits the whole value chain yeah in several ways it has fertility plus it, it is a dose that has three bulls in the same batch but because of these we can deliver to our clients higher fertility rates and there is no stakes that has no calf born yeah so producing more pregnancies is start here to raise the stakes yeah so this is the first of all yeah the second one as the new era genetics it's our abs proprietary terminal line that really delivers highly growth better feed efficiency so produce more with less and also with good quality carcass uh, traits yeah so it's also economical beneficial not only for the farmer but also for the whole value chain throughout the processors and the retailers and the final consumer that will not only raise the stake but eat the stakes and finally if you look all this package 
that it's selected by the X Black Index. X Black Index, it's our economical real world data that validated all these genetics in our real world tropical conditions. The use of the superdose new era on top of Nelore is a bucal. So we really revalidate not only the high genetics of our new era proprietary lines, but also revalidated this at local markets. So it's, it's really a sustainable package producing lot, uh, more with less, but with more efficiency for the whole value chain. It's really a super package. And it's pretty new and it's very exciting for your producers. It's validated. This X-Black index, is that like our new era profit index here? It's kind of. It's a terminal index as well, but it's uh, validated and it's from real world data for Brazil for tropical environments. So the the way that we are building the index, we can think is similar, but it's validating for the real world data in Brazil. You can say that the concept is the same, yeah, Taylor, but that's why we explain that it's double validated. Yeah, First of all, it's the New Era Profit Index that we have in our New Era Nucleus in the United States to select the best 10-12% bulls of, out of our Nucleus. Also, a, a high uh, selection pressure. We collect the semen and bring import to Brazil and use on top of our partner herds, our Nelori, Zebu, Tropical Partnerships clients. And then we measure again all fertility, performance uh, from farm to harvest. Yeah? So weighting gain, feed efficiency, carcass traits, also slaughterhouse uh, technical data with genomic. And based on this real world data where this genetic is going to be used, then we rank them by this economical index that we call X-Black. And we need to have this environment information since we have the genotype by environment part of the equation. So here we are validating in our environment. So this is huge important for the genetics improvement. In fact, Taylor, if you look here in Brazil in tropical conditions, commercially speaking, this is the biggest F1 crossbred database set and also directly to open to the market. So we, we really are living the strategy of ABS with the superdose to create, validate and add value for our clients. Yeah, you guys stick true to the data, data, data. We need to validate, validate, validate. I'm curious to ask, you said we need to validate our environment. What do you mean by that? To simplify it for any consumer listening, uh, what what does that entail? This is very interesting and we work a lot here with this in Brazil. They are selecting the animals based on American uh, index. That is not the reality that we have here in Brazil. The correlation is very lower. So we need to have the real world data for our environment to validate the, the genetic improvements for the animals. Probably here the fellows and colleagues that are already listening are our fans of raising the stake or hear a lot about the beef in focus, yeah, uh, stories and, and results and validation. Here is the same, if you can cut, adjust it and paste, it's the same. We know that just choose the best Angus bulls based on Angus poor breed association. They are not the best genetic to use on a beef on dairy system. Here is the same case, but the base is not a, 
a hoisting cow, the base is a tropical beef zebu cow. So that's why we create an ABS. It's the only company that really measure the real world data result of results of a F1 uh, out of spring of a urea genetics on top of an Elori zebu cow. Now I'm curious to hear about you guys and your professions. Ladies, I'll start with you. What does your day-to-day look like? What's your background in the cattle industry? After I got my master's degree, I started my PhD with genomic selection in a composite breed, which allowed me to apply and learn more about the beef cattle industry, become a beef geneticist. So I spent one year uh, at Purdue University doing part of my PhD there. So sometimes... I missed the U.S. winter. In 2020, I started my position of Latin America beef geneticist, being part of this amazing company and team. So ABS is generally a people magnet. So so glad to be sharing my days with beef PDV team. So my day, day by day, is in summary, data, data, data. <laughs> Just kidding. As a code that we've seen quite a lot, without data invalidation, we are just another person with an opinion. So my day is all data. So my focus is to make sure that we have all the data that we need, validating the data, loan the data to the, our global database. So this huge global database that we have for F1s, I take care for Brazil. And estimate genetic parameters for ABSX Black, looking to novel traits as well. So organizing all the DNA samples, monitor our feed intake trial and technical slaughter. An amazing background. It sounds like you know what you're doing. Luis, what does your day-to-day look like? What's your background? Yeah, and I'm just listening, Laiz is speaking her background and daily. It's it's really us that belongs to the ABS team, ABS family. It's really proud for us to see how strong our research and development team keep our very well qualified and the high very well high level yeah i graduated as a veterinarian i have almost 25 years working tied to genetics commercial uh, and marketing a major part of it on on beef projects work for other genetic companies in, in the marketing but also a role for 15 years to run one of the biggest beef operations here in brazil it was the biggest bull producer for natural services of Nelori here in brazil produced around 2000 bulls per year experience not only on the genetic programs but how to develop distribution channels how to promote how to validate and how to build up the bridge then i joined the abs uh, team as in charge or responsible for the beef strategic business for Latin America, one of the six business units we have in Latin America, Mexico, Colombia, Brazil, Uruguay, Argentina, and Chile. And the daily business is really how to see these opportunities and how to validate and demonstrate this validation of the genetics, not only from the farmers, the breeders, but also throughout the whole value chain. When we're cultivating as a genetics company, I think it's super amazing. Here in the United States, something often called into question with our producers is consumer trust. This can be for health, safety, and comfort of the animal and the health of the consumer with what they're eating. 
Would you say that you face some of these challenges in Brazil also? What are some of the biggest controversies that you face where you were at regarding the beef industry? As you just mentioned, off our global meeting, we see a lot of similarities and how we are approaching and delivering results and added value to the genetics for our client globally wise. Cattle moves a lot of times hands from breeders to runners to finishers, processors, until reach the final consumer. To really have uh, one message and what to be selected, long life cycle production system, when we talk about cattle, this needs time, needs mature, yeah? This is increasing. And I think because of that, when you talk just to farmers, they are interested in fertility, in maternal traits. When you look to feeders, they want growth, the deficiency. If you talk with processors, they want uh, dressage, percentage, quality grade, year grade, and, and consumer just want a, a healthy, sustainable, uh, and tender steak, juicy steaks. With genetics, we can tailor made and attend all the value chain in a good way. It's a journey. It's not from night to day, but we are really succeeding step by step in, in time. All of a good steak, beginning with a good genetics. Yeah. On top of it, we'll put good management, good nutrition, good healthy sanitary control, but branding, telling story. But without the genetics, we will lose all the return on investments you will do in this poor genetic animals. Secondly, if you talk to a breeder, he always look what he wants to produce just to sell this animal to the next stakeholder. Uh, and then the next stakeholder the same. It has a difference what he needs to produce, but he needs to look for the whole value chain from us as a protein beef value chain growth and have good results as a value chain and not only as individual players on that. I agree, Louise, and I would say uh, that we can solve this trust issue with data, showing the results, show the, delivering the genetics that they want. So we can solve this with data. This is very important as well. Releasing a lot of these similar different words, but similar content in the United States or in Europe, even Asia, it, it, the value chain has the same challenges, but it, it's improving, yeah? Uh, more and more time, also we talked with just yesterday with a big feeder, 600,000 heads a year, and he said, well, I'm already starting talking with retailers, yeah? Because looking what they want me to produce, and then I'm focused not only to attend processors, packers' needs, but also looking for the retailers. So, so I think the, the value chain is improving and for sure ABS and, and genetic has an important role on that. That's going to lead me into the question of what are the most desirable genetic traits where you're at? What are you looking for specifically? What is number one? What is number two on traits that you're selecting for? Brazil market or Latin America in general. And if you look on beef, Brazil, it's almost 80% of this market. Also looking as a global trader, the biggest exports. And as different from United States, for example, who do not have already standardized year grade or quality grade. So farmers uh, are uh, monetized by carcass weight. You can have some specific bonus or quality programs, but they are individually, they are not an official one, and mainly in all Latin America. The, the first trait, the whole beef value chain, looking forward, it's growth. 
it's produced faster, more kilos per carcass, more kilos per animal. So this is the main one. But yes, we have the market issue. Yeah, uh, we have the quality issue. This is, for example, in Brazil, it's all more or less four percent of the total market. So it's the minor one. Also, as big exports like used to be the first importer China, they look for commodity beef. So a, a, a lot pounds of beef or kilos of, of beef per carcass, lean carcass, don't need too much fat. When we talk in all Latin America with breeders, the first trait they're looking for or they measure is fertility. And that's why Superdose has fertility plus. The second is growth. I would say medicolor as well. Since Latin America, mostly in Brazil, we are very influenced by North America and Europe consumers and the industry. So when angles start to sell here in Brazil, this part that we said that there, we have some people, a small amount of people, they start to understand more what is a meat quality. So because Nelor has lower meat quality than the angles, so they start to look more this. So we start collecting more feed intake and more meat quality, doing some technical slaughter for our partner farms. So specifically for us, we start to look more for those traits as well. Brazil is known for having great beef as the world's largest exporter of beef. Uh, what does it take to make it in the business there? Well, first of all, we have some factors that help us uh, to, to produce this amount. When we talk about global uh, trade or a global potential, it, it, it needs huge volumes. And we have land, we have tropical conditions, we have order, we have labor. So we have what we call external factors that allowed us to produce in, in a good way. And then for sure, yes, genetic has a, a huge impact. And in the last decade or the last 15 to 20 years, it really will become a game changer in Brazil, but not alone. As we already commented, this is a package, a full solution, as we use also to say to our clients, it's not only the genetics, it's the full package, it's genetic as a service, not just genetic as a, as a product, yeah? It's how to use it, how to, to handle, how to have a good management, nutrition, labor, healthy, all combined. But if you look in numbers, tailors, if we look at the last 20 years, Animals that we harvest here in Brazil, they are 12% heavier. We really increase to produce more uh, directly. Without genetics, we cannot do this. It's part of the first component. It's the engine, yeah? Then we can put a good fuel, we get put the car in the best road, but without an engineer, without the genetics, we cannot do it, yeah? And also, different from what the majority of the country of the global think, we produce only with 21% of our land space. What I mean with this, if you look native pastures and developed pastures that we raise cattle in Brazil, we only was 21% of our space. So we are, we are sustainable. If we look natural resources, we have more than 66% of Brazil as native or conservate regions, yeah? And if you look specific on farmers' property, farmers' farms, they keep 20% of the total native land of Brazil are inside 
producers farm. So we, we are sustainable. We are doing all of this in a sustainable way. And without genetics, we cannot do it. If you look also productions of kilos per year, per, per, per area, we call here in Brazil, arroba, that it's 15 kilograms of carcass per hectare per year. We increase uh, in the last six years, 45 percentage. If you look the average to the top farmers, yeah, not the total one, but the one that are more progressive that use, has the access and use more the quality of genetics. If you look the age, the average age uh, of animals, more than 40% uh, of the animals harvested in Brazil are equal or older than 40 months. So it's not too much productive. But if you look at nowadays, less than 6% of the males harvest in Brazil, it's equal or higher or older than 40 months. So we really are producing more kilos per carcass, but at much, much younger age. So this is really, for sure, a full contribution on genetics. Just to finish, why we are doing also this, if you look, numbers of AI or use of the AI technology, embryo technology in Brazil, we are one of, on the beef sector, the countries globally wise that has the higher percentage or on the top five, top three. We have a, an average of 22, 24% of females under reproductions, reproduction through uh, fixed time AI programs. Very sustainable. Where I come from, you know, we deal with water shortages. Drought is a common thing where I'm at in the United States. I just think it's amazing that you guys have so much water and so many feed resources. At around 190 million head, Brazil supports the largest commercial cattle herd in the world. India has the most cattle, but you guys have the most commercial cattle. Are there certain breeds of cattle that are more popular than others? What is the highest in demand right now? Beyond just bulls, we're talking heifers too. What's in the herd? We are a tropical country. The whole production system, it's majority pasture, graze production system. Only 12 to 15% of animals harvested in Brazil really had a part of their lifetime in a feedlot period, but not more than four months. Uh, so around 20% of their life, less than this. And all the majority since birth, to harvest, stay on pasture, yeah, and in tropical conditions. Because of that, the majority breeds, commercially wise, is speaking uh, popular in Brazil. It's Zebu breeds, a specific Nelori one, around 80 percentage, 85 percentage. And when you talk about beef, yeah, but then when you talk about the AI market. Yeah, the genetic markets where are inserted even on through semen or through embryos, then it's a mixture. So around 44% are Nelori and 42% are Angus or now starting the superdose, the new era genetics. The other 10% it's other breeds. And speaking a little bit about the demand right now, I would like to highlight that we have here in Brazil uh unique situation that we use a lot the Nilor call to do the crossbreeding with new air genetics or angles. And with this situation that we are living now in the past years, we are harvesting the, the calls as well. So we are lacking 
with females here in Brazil. So I think that this is a huge demand that we have in ABS solution such as embryo or sex cell, so sex cell semen can fill this lake. So this is really important to the audience to know. Embryos. How big of a business do you think that could be for you guys in the future? How big of a business is it for you right now? The embryo business is not a future business for us. It's already a big, biggest market. The ABS global market, we are the biggest market in Latin America and then Brazil, it's 90% of that. If you look just last fiscal year, in the total region, we sold 285,000 embryos for beef and dairy. Then if you look just beef, it's almost 200,000, 195,000. Uh, and mainly in two countries, Brazil, 90% of this and, and Mexico. But it's, it's really the future. It's really how progressing and, and really how uh, entrepreneur clients are, are using genetic to boost their genetic progress. We just started last May of this calendar year, the new lab, also the embryo lab in Chile. Probably we will reach this calendar year around 3,000, 4,000 embryos, dairy and beef in Chile. What we call genetic as a service is a full package. You select your best 4 5% replacement heifers or best cows of your herds. Use them as a donor. We really speed twice, three times, four times your genetic progress through embryos. Then the top five to top 15, top 20, depending on your reproductive traits or our zootechnical index. You use, for example, in Brazil, Nelori Sexel, that will produce 90% females. And also you produce the best replacement reference from your best part of your herd. And in the bottom line, you use Superdose. The full package is done and you really raise the stakes. Laís, I'm curious to ask, you look at the cell, you look at the calf, and then you look at the bull, right? Uh, that's the kind of data that you're analyzing every day? Yeah, every day, the full cycle. Since they are born, the crossbreeding, how they are using together and the birth to the harvest. The biggest embryo business that we have in ABS here in Latin America on the beef, beef on beef segment, Taylor, it's focused on the seed stock, on the poor breeds, yeah? And, and Laís really, it's the owner, yeah, and in charge to, to follow up the X-Black database, the crossbred database for the commercial level. We already have some examples in the past that using the embryo technology really to boost and produce thousands or hundreds of thousands of new era F1 super dose embryos and then just uh, really boost the production out the offsprings and really have heavy good quality carcass to send to, to harvest yeah but it's still not the, the reality on, on this specific segment yeah. yeah making lots of calves out there um, so I'm going to round yeah. out the podcast interview with one question to both of you. In your opinion, what does the future of cattle production in Latin America look like? What does the future of the ABS beef business in Latin America look like? As an ABS beef business, we need to continue to perform validation trials. So uh, I started and finished in my first year of the validation last week. 
So we are pretty exciting to do that and return these values to the clients, to the, all our technical and commercial team. Uh, keep looking for the hot topics like sustainable and genetic progress. And finally, ABS is always ahead looking forward to the future. The future, well, nowadays it's already, but if you look for the future and we like to look for the future, it's, it's brilliant, yeah. Not only for, for ABS, but I think for the whole value chain, the beef value chain. We are, I think, in, in the right moment. The value chain, as we discussed, it's, it's learning how to be more integrated and really add value in an integrated way, share this value created in a more smart way. And I think ABS has really an important role uh, on top of this. And this is how I, I, I see our future uh, on ABS, but also the market. I also see that why ABS, it will be very well positioning and uh, a lead company, genetic company in this future, because I also not imagined, but seeing we already taking this path and a lot of clients also taking the same journey with us. More and more the adoption of the use of genetic as maternal lines, terminal lines, the same that other proteins value chain already did, like we do on PIC or on poultry that we already doing like example, what you already explained sex cell melody for maternal line to do your best replacement heifers and super dose on terminal lines to maximize your profitability yeah uh, i think this is the way this is the future and abs it's already doing this today because of that for sure we will, we will keep the leading that we are having my only question is how faster we are going to move and all the market if i can remember one uh, professional from the market, one very uh, high graduated professor from the university that I already worked together with more than 15 years was the advisor, Laís, PhD and everything, Jose Bento, when he talked about genomics, traditional EBVs, he said when he said that this will be a, a reality, I said, no, I'm not going to see this in the market and it's what happens, he thought that in 30 years it's not going to be a reality and he just break his face and come a reality in five, seven years. I think we will face the same. Probably the market will have a stronger speed than we think, but we are prepared to attend this demand. For, for sure, we will continue raising a lot of stakes. A ton of key insights from our fantastic Latin American team. I'm so grateful that you guys came on the podcast interview. I can't wait to get this published. Is there anything else that you would like to add to your producers, to your team? Is there anything else that you'd like to say before we go? Just a final message. As we talk with clients, we talk internally. Also, like we are just having this fun time here on this a podcast but a lot of content i think this is also an important piece of part or prism of abs we are just not only we want to do business we want to deliver the best genetic but in the centric we want to serve better our clients yeah not only the owner of cows but the whole value chain and i think this podcast is part of it it's it's really bring this to life yeah it's talking to everybody it's talking to the value chain it's talking to you that like to make a barbecue in, in the weekend and it's also part of our role to disseminate or, or, or really talk about this in, in, in more 
non-technical language. So it, it's really proud to be part of ABS. And if you are hearing, for sure, you will hear more from us every day on, yeah? And one of the best parts to be part of ABS is that globally we have contacts. We have contact with Latin America team, North America team, Asia team. So this is very good to us to understand and learn with each other. I couldn't agree more, especially coming out of our global conference. I met so many people. You guys were some of them. Thanks for listening, guys. We're going to head into our closeout. Stick around and we'll have more information on next week's episode. So you might be thinking, what's next? Where is she going to take this podcast? Well, I'll give you some keywords and catchphrases from the next season. Uh, we're going to have live interviews from Houston NCBA. Maybe a podcast takeover. We might have a co-host. We'll have bonus live RFD TV interviews, possibly from Kansas. Are we going to talk about the microbiome project? Are we going to talk about Australian Wagyu straight from the source? Are we going to interview one of the biggest cattle feeders in the world? Stick around. Every other week, I'll answer one of these questions, and we'll be coming out with a new and exciting episode. December 15th is our next one. All I can say is, if innovation drives you in the cattle industry, if this is where you made your home, I want to hear your story. I want to make communication mainstream. Tell it, even if it's not through me. Hearing stories about the cattle industry is what makes it thrive. So find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Find us. Reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Uh, let us know if you want to be a guest. And I will see you on the 15th. Bye, guys. <laughs>